Hello and welcome. I'm Max Finder and this is Living 30, a podcast for people in their 30s trying to make this the best decade ever. Our 30s are a pivotal time. We spent our teens and 20s trying everything. We now have a better idea of who we are and what we want, and it's time for us to go after it. We've experienced education, both formal and informal, career success and career failure, love and heartbreak, and maybe even some births and deaths. Living 30 is devoted to gathering innovative approaches, deep insights, and lessons learned around topics like health, work, relationships, and more. Visit living30.blog and stay tuned for more interviews, articles, and to join the Living 30 community. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to Living 30. Uh, This is your host, Max Finder. I am here with Ed Lattimore. Thanks for joining us today, Ed. Hey, thanks for uh, being patient with all the tech issues and we got it all sorted out. We're ready to go, man. It's no problem. We live in the the modern world and it it can get tricky sometimes. Um, Ed is a former heavyweight boxer, professional heavyweight boxer and uh, a veteran of the U.S. Army National Guard. He has a B.A. in physics um, and now you are a pretty much a full-time uh, self-help blogger, author, digital marketer. Um, so, I mean, did I cover everything? Is there anything I yeah, missed? So- no, that's about, about, about it, man. That, that's, that's solid. I mean, I do some, you know, I, I've written some books, I guess, that, that aren't just on, um, that aren't just eBooks, the, the books that, that I, I'm proud of that I put out. And I, I also have been putting a lot of time into my chess game. Tell really me what's your, what's your rating these days? These days, I'm floating between sixteen and seventeen hundred. I just I can't. I mean, I, I I hate to use the word can't, but it's difficult because every time I make a mistake and lose a game, I go back and study, and then I get to see kind of the I did. It was preventing me or that I couldn't find, and it, it's really challenging. But it's cool because I, it's something. It's one of those things like I'll never like be good enough to make money. I can absolutely say that. But what I do get is I get a different way to look at the world and I get a a real skill set that's interesting in terms of how I think about things and how I can break things down and I have another kind of analogy and filter for my experiences. And it'll probably make me a better writer and it'll just be cool. I mean, it's one of those things you can connect with and have coffee with over with guys. You know, you play chess, you have a a good talk, you meet up with some friends. It's it's what it's just one of those things. I think every every kid who played chess. Like oh I want to be great one day and I'm like ah, I just want to now I know I what my what my kind of limit is or I have an, I, at least I think I have one and I'm just having fun. Um, do you mostly play in on, online on chess.com or do you play online over the board? Um, over the board play is is exhausting. I'm like surprised at how much energy it takes, but I guess you know your brain uses like twenty five percent of. What, uh, your glucose or something like that, or calories? So it makes sense if you sit there and you're doing a, a fully, uh, our, our only mental activity, it makes sense that it would be exhausting. That uses up so much energy. Like, I'm, I'm legitimately surprised. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of the chess grandmasters, I just read this whole article about how they're, they're 
focusing big time on their um, physical fitness and health because it is so draining to do these chess matches for several hours, just thinking, you know, extremely hard that they 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 lose weight. I think that was actually the purpose. Yeah. Of the they that lose was- weight <laughs> over the course of a tournament or something like that. People will lose like 10 or 20 pounds. So they're really trying to focus on their fitness. Um, and, and that's amazing. Like, people don't realize, like, you can think that hard. Like, yeah. <laughs> like to lose, like, I, I think I read the same article you were talking about where uh, it had, like, Fabiano Caruno going through his workout routine. Exactly. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're, like, they're working out three times a day and playing chess in between. Yeah, Fabiano Caruana's workout routine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and, and I was just like, wow, you can think so hard that you lose more weight, like, over the same amount of time than if you had just been, like, working out every day. Because, I mean, if your body isn't going to be worn down and beat down like it is and you have to recover from the muscle soreness. So, yeah, you, you know, you go, you think like that every day. You can probably probably work up quite a bit. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, you know what, can we, can we take a step back? Uh, I would love to, if you could give us, like, a very high-level sort of, overview of your story because it's quite amazing right like you talk openly about how you grew up in the projects in, in Pittsburgh um, and it was you know about, about your upbringing what you learned from living in the projects and now you are you know you have a degree in physics you're a professional boxer you were in the army you're making money inspiring tons of people you have thousands and thousands of followers I mean can you give us like a bit of the trajectory that that you took uh, sure. You know, you, have you seen that? Um, I think it's like a meme. I will call it a meme or, or an illustration where it goes. This is what you think success looks like. And it's a straight uh, direct slope. And right. it goes, this is what success really looks like. And it's like all these these ups and downs and these squiggly lines and, and backtracks and things like that. Well, that is very much what it looked like for me. Like, you know, there, there was obviously the, the very humble and awful beginnings in my childhood. And then I, I come out and I manage, I managed to get into college for the first time. And I go to this college and I'm not ready. I end up failing out. A lot of it was because of drinking and chasing women too much. Come out, don't do anything and stagnate for a while and then I decide that I need to do something in my life and I start boxing and training and that's going really well. Uh, How old were you when when you made that decision? I didn't start boxing until I was 22 and that is that is ancient that's very old but a lot of guys in the heavyweight division we have the luxury of starting later because to, to put on the kind of mass to where you can be competitive, it takes time. You're just not going to fight your whole life and then debut as a heavyweight. That's not going to happen. I don't know if it's it's ever actually uh, happened in the United States anyhow, maybe in other countries where they, they have a more a robust and developed system for developing fighters. You know, the government gets involved. We don't have that in the United States. It's very much a private endeavor despite us being able to go represent ourselves at the Olympics. But... Uh, I, I entered the gym at age 22 and I decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this to the end, see how far I can go, see how much I can train myself. But at this point I, I start, you know, drinking heavy again and, and I have some success with, with my boxing, but I'm also like not developing anywhere else. And this is really key because there's no money in boxing. 
I mean, even at the highest level, like with the even guys who fight on like a lot of these guys on pay per view. I mean, except for the superstars, you know, they're fighting for one hundred and fifty thousand, and guys go like, "Oh, that sounds great. That sounds incredible." Until you remember that they're realistically losing at least twenty five percent of that to fees, and then you can only fight at that level like once a year. I mean, if you have any kind of skills, in many ways. Um, Fighting, this is what ultimately what it came down to me. Thank goodness. Uh, but ultimately, what it came down to me is, is fighting is a really can be potentially a poor use of opportunity cost. But but generally speaking, a lot of guys don't have that issue because they don't. I mean, it, 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 there's no other money and there's nothing else to do. You know, they put their whole life into the skill, and and that terrified me. I didn't want that. And then one day, I I, I was on the low end of things as, as an amateur fighter. No, actually, I had turned pro at this point, still not making anything like 400 a fight. And I said, you know, this is really awful. I, I can't do this. I, I want more out of life. I don't want to, you know, turn the age I am now. Because if I hadn't if I hadn't gone back to school, joined the military, just started developing those skills and building that network and, and getting into my writing hardcore, who knows where I would be uh, right now, but I know I wouldn't be fighting. Uh, right. And that is because I'm because I've been fighting for the past two years, and maybe that maybe it's influenced because um, because I have the other options. But I, I do know, you know, I watch a lot of guys struggling at the end of their career because they they're staring down something that every athlete doesn't want to look at, and the and the truth is, there's only one champion. <laughs> And I guess if you want to be technical about it in boxing in each weight division, there's four champions. But the general idea stands. Uh, and second place is the, the, the drop off between the perks between first and second place are so ridiculous. And then they get super competitive once you get into the top 10 and the, to where like you really got to be in your game and living and training all the time. Pretty much what it comes down to is this. A, a lot of fighters I see, because not everyone makes it. Everyone thinks they're going to make it. Not everyone does. But they got to put so much energy and so much time into it toward, to even have a shot at making it. And then when they don't, well, they got to go do something else. And that's a hard. You know, I never wanted to be – I never wanted to struggle. I always thought I, I had – I could be more than I was. So I went and did something about it. And and it was a hard, you know, at one point, probably from 2013 to 2016, I was simultaneously uh, boxing, uh, heavyweight boxing, and at a at a fairly decent level for the for the point where I should have been, because I had I had backers. So I'm boxing, heavyweight boxing. I'm in the military. I'm pursuing my physics degree, which is 17 credits a semester of like some real talk schooling, man. I'm not, I'm not taking English lit 101, you know, <laughs> why are you, you know, I'm, I was, I remember one, one semester, man, I had, I had the optics and that class was, uh, it was seven hours total right that i was in class whether and, and some of that was lab some of that was in the class but that was but for each hour i was in class man i had to study re- like realistically to, to to be competitive and where i was i ended up uh finishing that semester in that class with a b plus and that was a lot of work that was the hardest b i'd ever <laughs> worked for and i took t- realistically 21 hours a week of study and that's just one class i had electronics i had linear algebra i had something else that was difficult that semester uh, and so how how old are you when this is happening i am 29 or 29. yeah or 29 or 30 because i remember i remember being being funny uh the the during my um 
I, I turned my birthday is February fifteenth, which is during the semester, and I'm in I'm in class with all these. I mean, they're kids, but you know, they're they're, they're some of them not even technically in their twenties yet, and. And it was just funny. I was like, oh, when's your birthday? And I'm like, it's this. How old are you? Like, wow. And then, you know, but there's there's stories. It's not like I just woke up one day. So I'm able to, like, drop and discuss and talk wisdom with the gods around me and stuff. But it was was a good time. And and it was a lot of work and a lot of energy. I did it all. And I'm really grateful and happy I made that decision. But so how did you make the decision to do that? So you're... You, you, you had your first sort of foray into boxing. It was when you were in your earlier 20s and you were still drinking. And then in the later part of your 20s, you decided to stop drinking, to focus on your education and become, I guess, more well-rounded. I mean, do you remember, was there like a one moment where you made the decision? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there, are, there are really two clear moments where I made the decision to go back to school. Uh, the first one, it was was I was living in Los Angeles and I was being trained. I was part of a group that was training guys to to produce a um, an Olympian, and they actually succeeded in that. I was in the, in the same camp with a guy named Dominic Brazil and Charles Martin. If you're if you guys are familiar with the heavyweight boxing scene, uh, Do, uh, Charles Martin actually ended up becoming world champion, and Dominic challenged for the title twice against uh, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. <laughs> So when you're training them, that means that you're like somebody for them to fight in. No, no, no. I'm very much in the mix. I actually won one of the the national titles out there. It just, you know, timing and everything. And and some guys have a good day. Some guys have a bad day. In fact, you know, one of one of the fights that between me and Dominic, you know, he he beats me, stops me in the second round. I'm, I'm walking around that entire week, though, with a fever of 101 because I got sick, but we were already there for the tournament in Colorado, and he knew this, and he just happened to draw me, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, you, you do what you got to do, man, because I guarantee if it was the other shoe, I would I would try and put you down and lean on your, your weakened condition. That's just, it's a dog-eat-dog world, especially in boxing. But that, that's what the, the structure that I can was. I was just, we were just out there training together, being put in the same tournaments, developing and growing kind of a, a steel sharp and steel sort of environment. Well, when I was out there, uh, one day I got I came back from practice and I'm on my way to go lift weights at LA Fitness. You know, gotta stay strong. You know, and I left my phone in my iPod back at the about back in my apartment, and that's that's key to the story because that meant I was just looking forward the whole time walking. Well, because of that, I um and I get to get excited about when I tell this story. I actually I don't know if you just heard me clap my hands, but uh, because of that. Um, I'm looking forward and somebody comes up along the sidewalk, they lose control of their car. And because I don't have my head in my phone or my iPod, I have enough time to jump out of the way. Barely enough time, but, but enough time. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm all good. I'm, everything's great. Uh, at the end, I just, I just end up with a, with a stitch in my leg, I think. But, uh, you I was got like, hit by the car. Or you jumped in and injured yourself jumping away from it. Uh, I, I think I got hit. I think it, like, nicked me or something. Or when I jumped, I injured myself. I didn't get hit by the car, though, which is great. And don't you know, you know, I, I had I had a really – I had a, my come to, come to Jesus moment at first. I didn't come, quite do it. But I was like, you know, I could have lost everything I worked for in terms of boxing, and it had nothing to do with boxing. 
Like right. no more decision. Right. And I have nothing to fall back on. That's it. You know, and then and then I have to go through a recovery and some some bad. So that was like the idea it gets put in my head. I actually start looking for places in like California to go to school, but I'm not I'm not a resident yet, so I it, it you know, it I don't I don't get to take advantage of the tuition. Uh and because it, it was expensive. So there's that. Right. I, I put that aside though. And then I have another moment a few uh, about a year later where I'm working at um at how, old, how, how old, old am I then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I was uh I turned 27 out there but this was after so I was like 28ish maybe 28. Okay. Seems about right. Um and then a few years yeah cuz I would have been 20 yeah 29. Okay, that that right. So uh, a year later I'm, I'm working at T-Mobile, living on the unemployment that I was able to collect from being cut from the program, working at T-Mobile for 928 an hour. And, I, and I'm just like, all right, whatever, man, I'm going to grind it out and I'm going to keep hustling towards boxing, right? Because every 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 boxer thinks he's going to be champ. He's, this he's is six champion. years ago. Six years ago or something like that, you were working at a T-Mobile. Uh, yeah, I guess that would have been six years ago. Yep. Uh, it's really not that long. Isn't that incredible? That is not that long at all. You know, especially with things like Tom Hop that come up and memories right. on Facebook. Right. You still like, see, see pictures from that time. <laughs> Facebook reminds you from pictures from that time, I guess. Yeah, and it goes, wow, that wasn't that long ago. You know, I, I had just met the girlfriend I'm still with now and everything, and it doesn't seem that long at all. But we're, we're I'm, I'm closing the store. Right. Yeah. And, when, and the way closing policy works is once you close a store, you know, by definition, no one can come in. But if someone is in the store at closing hours, like they come in at like we close at nine, they come in at 850 to looking around. I can't kick them out. So the person's right. in there. They stay. They look around. They keep me there to like 940 or something like that. I had to be somewhere. And I was really like and, and by be somewhere, I mean, I had to go drink somewhere with, with some friends. Um Right. But they can't. I can't kick them out. But I'm like, all right. At least I'll get paid some commission when they buy something. Well, they don't even buy anything. They leave. And I remember sitting in my car, being so angry. And I was like, this is stupid. I'm better than this. I can do more than this. Let me um. Let me go after something better in life. And it was at that point I started looking for different ways to get money to go back to school. Different ways to kind of get some experience and everything, and, and the only thing that made sense was I, I said, "Let's join the army, man. Let's let's go." And because I I had nothing, no skills, right? Like. Wow! And so then you did the army for for several years. I, I I enlisted in the National Guard, so I had to leave for like nine months as part of the initial training. Uh, you know, right. ten weeks ten weeks of basic, and then. Uh, 22 or 23 weeks of AIT. What does that come out to? Like 33 weeks? Is that nine months? I'm not sure. Almost nine months. Um, so yeah, that that was that's what I did. And then when I came back, and, and you know, it's funny. It's it's in silence, or it's away from everything you know that you you get a chance to really look at yourself. Because when I was gone, you know, you can't drink in basic. You can't drink in AIT. I managed to sneak a drink one time in AIT, but um. That, What's AIT? Sorry. Okay, so AIT is Advanced Individual Training. Everyone that enters the after military. basic. Yeah, after basic, everyone that enters the military, they they pick up my or at least enlist. I don't know how it works on the officer side, but everyone that enlists, they get a 
a military occupational specialty, an MOS, the job you're going to do in the military. And then you go train for that MOS at AIT. My AIT was in Fort Lee, Virginia. So, and my, my military occupational specialty was a 91 Alpha, which if I remember correctly, this is a mouthful, but it's a land combat and, and electrical systems engineer or something like that. Yeah, I got it. I got it all messed up. But the point is that I had to spend a lot of time away and a lot of time studying electric, electric, uh, electrical theory as well. And but, not drinking. And not drinking. And, and then when I got out, I went and I tried to party and drink with some friends. I ended up making a fool of myself, got real drunk, and I said, you know what? Let me look at everything I, I got going on. I'm trying I'm trying to have a, a professional career. I'm trying to make a run at that. I did all of this so I could go back to school. I'm in the military now, so I'm subject to not just civilian law, but the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And I had just met my girlfriend and things were really going well. She came to see me graduate from basic and came to see me uh, during Thanksgiving break down in um, in Fort Lee. And so I said, you know what, what's the, what's the problem? What's the thing that always comes up? It's, it's the alcohol. That was like a big thing right there. And I said, all right, it's got to go. So those are like the, the two big moments where I made some real big, big decisions about, about school. I guess, you know, the original question was uh, – the, the what what made you decide to go to school and then that was you know the the moment at T-Mobile but then you right. know, piggybacking on that was was the other stuff yeah and so and the, how old were you when you made the decision to stop drinking um let me look at my tattoo uh <laughs> i got a well when i when i had 5 years i got a tattoo i was like i'm i'm, I'm serious about it now and, and uh, you, haven't had, you haven't had a sip or how, how do you exactly do it like i don't um, drink alcohol there, there is no, I, I dude, that's one of anything. <laughs> huh? Say that again. If somebody said this is a $2,000 bottle of scotch, just have a little taste. You wouldn't have a little taste. Absolutely not. I, I am all in, you know, I don't. And, and that's the thing, you know, God's with my personality. Like everyone has different things that contribute to their issues and their success. Right. right. Uh, and, and like one of the things I say in my book is the very thing that made you a heavy drinker is going to be what makes you successful once you get it under control. And you really. And what was, what was it that made you a heavy drinker, would you say? One, one of my issues, you know, is moderation, man. Like you should see the way I drink coffee now. And there's no there's no one cup of coffee. Are you kidding? Right. <laughs> you know, uh, and it, it just like uh, there, there was no one drink. It was very intense. So I have to be zero. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. That's I, I pretty much don't drink. I have my like every few months. I, I, I won't drink for a few months. And then I'll be like, you know what? I got this. I can I can taste that really nice wine that somebody's pouring. Or yeah, something. yeah. You know, and and that's that, that. What's crazy about that is is I I really like I like non alcoholic beer. Right? Yeah, I I read that you you like that. I, I that's like, the only thing that's the only thing in your article about that that I disagree with. There's no yeah. chance <laughs> tastes as good as you make it sound. But whatever, you know, I uh, I can. Put it on, I can believe you. If, uh, and, then, and then I wish there was non-alcoholic wine because that's really the only right. thing I miss. But you know that that's just garbage. We're just, we just we're just not there yet. We're making it. Maybe we will in a few years. But and do, do you mess with cannabis at all? No, 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 nothing. I, that was never my thing. You know, it, yeah. even when I drank, even at even at the height of my degeneracy, that was never my thing. Uh, you know, everybody different strokes to different folks. 
Yeah, moderation is tough. You seem like a very um, social guy, and so I feel like drinking is is, is a is a really social thing. Going out, having action, excitement, and stuff like that, and so it's so you what, know that's what it was for me. So speaking of that, you know, it's really interesting. I am, you know, I don't know how much you believe in the MBTR or what you think about it, but I am. I, a, I don't know what that is. Uh, so it's, it's the Myers Briggs personality. Oh, okay. uh, I didn't know the acronym. Got uh, it. Yeah. So, so I'm a, I'm an ENTJ, and I'm I'm an N, I'm I'm very much an N, very much a T, very much a J when you break it down, and it shows the percentages. The E is interesting though, because in high school I used to sometimes come back as an I for introvert, but now right. I come back as an E. I'm right. very one of one of the things that helped me out um, is that I, I I didn't have too much trouble shifting to a more introverted style of socialization and interaction which basically meant which basically means for me i didn't i didn't need to be the center i didn't need to always be out there consistently getting stimulation from people i really learned to withdraw and and kind of draw my energy and lessons from from there that really makes a difference because that that was something i thought i was gonna have i was gonna struggle with which was, you know, this, this sober and up thing. I thought I thought I was going to always need to go with my friends. Well, I was really busy <laughs> when I stopped drinking, so that really helped. And, right. then, and the other thing that really helped, you know, I, I, met, I met my girl, and she she does not drink. I mean, she, she didn't really drink when I met her, and then now, like, I stopped drinking entirely. You know, she's influenced by me. Like, there's not even – there's like a – this is weird. This is how you notice just something different with some people. She'll say, I'm having a glass of wine. And she'll go and pour a glass of wine, and then that, and then she'll drink half of it and just forget. If one of us right. doesn't clean up, it'll sit there for two days. And like, and when we first started dating, I was still drinking, and I would come over, and to me, a glass of wine was a bottle and a half of yeah, wine. I'd, fin- I'd finish her stuff off, and she was like, "I don't even know." Why I stayed with you, you know, looking at in retrospect, but it's, it's, it's just, you know, once you know what your weaknesses are, you can start playing with them and, and start yeah. figuring out ways to work around. For, for me, the, the saying that I heard that really speaks to me about alcohol for me is that one is too much and 10 is not enough. Like that's my issue with it. I, I don't, I've even- actually never heard that. I, I don't like the buzz. I don't know who said it. I, I, I'm misquoting somebody, I'm sure, but I, I don't like the buzz from one, right? If I'm at a networking event, you know, people will people will get together for a networking event or something like that, um, and uh, you'll you'll have one drink, and then I'm buzzed and I can't think as well. I know you wrote about that in your sort of list of why why it's great to be sober. You can't think as well. So I can't do business as well as I could if I hadn't had that one drink. And so then the problem is if I have two drinks, two isn't enough. If two, if I have two, yeah. then I'm going to have three, then I'm going to have ten, and then it's way too much. So one is too much and ten is not enough. Um, and so for that reason, I really pretty much don't drink pretty much. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's – it's um. Every, everyone's got to everyone's gotta kind of fond their – it's the word I want. They not their edge necessarily, but but I guess their line. Okay, and and you want to get as close to that line as you can, 
Because I guess that is your edge, right? You want to get as close to that line as you can, and then you need to just step on back. Like, you, you don't need to go any further, because if you do, that's your own point of destruction. I was talking right. about this um, this week down in, in Florida in my speech. You know, one of one of I've got friends, man. They can they can drink like fish, right? And be cool. That wasn't me. <laughs> you know that they can still get after it. They can still can, can still conduct themselves in a respectful manner. That just wasn't. That was never me. And then once I accepted that that couldn't be me, that I could really start making progress in life. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, everything that I do bad, I become a lunatic, fighting, cursing, screaming, you know, uh, whatever. It, it all happens when I'm drunk. For sure. Yeah, the worst, uh, the worst of your problems. Yeah, exactly. And so you stopped drinking right around that time. You, you got off of ATI, you said, and then made a fool yeah. of yourself. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, out of AIT. And then I was like, you know, this is AIT. not... The same, and so, and so, so you've been sober six years, and you're never looking back. I mean, it, can you briefly kind of talk about the benefits that you see? Because I know I, this is a big thing I think for people in their thirties, and it's happening um, more and more. Is that like people that I know are yeah, stopping because they have goals? Yeah, I mean, they they have goals. It doesn't serve their goals. It costs a lot of money, and they wake up feeling like shit. The hangover at thirty is way different than the hangover. <laughs> you know what's funny? I don't know. I mean, I, I can just I can really I can realistically I can like honestly say, and I'm kind of proud of it. I guess I have no idea what the hangover in the thirty is like. Oh, because I stopped drinking at twenty nine. <laughs> but um, I would I would say the the biggest you know. The, the advantages that the first is like the the obvious measurable one. You save so much money. I was I mean I was in the first time I went to Paris, I was like, "Why does everyone think it's so expensive?" And I was like, "Oh, that's because you get wine with every meal." I'm like, "Okay, that of course it's expensive then, right?" <laughs> but but in, in general, I I'm, I just don't spend money uh, because I'm not going out to do certain things. Cause it's not just buying the alcohol. It's the, it's the way you're going to spend time in between drinking. It's the food and the garbage. It's the, it's the, the monetary and the temporal cost. It costs me time and money. Okay. So there's that. There's a whole other like time on, and I always like to to talk about things that you can't necessarily measure, but you know it happened, or at least you know that effect occurred. There's a whole entire timeline that just didn't happen, didn't exist, a bunch of places I never put myself, a bunch of risks I never took, because I know how I was behaving one way, and then I get rid of the thing that was driving that behavior, and now I'm not doing those things that that behavior motivated. And it really is awesome because I don't have to ever worry about that. Like, I don't like, I can wake up every day and I know I didn't drunk text nothing. Like, like I know exactly what's in my phone is what I, what I sent out. Like there can be no surprises. Nothing's going to come back. There ain't, you know, that, and that's a really good feeling, man, because that makes it, that makes a certain, that makes you feel like garbage, man. When you, when you go through that, uh, I, it's really easy to stay in shape, like super easy. I didn't realize that until I, until people, I'm at the point now, you know, at 34, 
where people comment and they they get my age wrong the the other way, right? They go, "Oh, you are thirty four. I thought you were you know twenty something." And I've heard it enough from enough different angles to where I know it's not just somebody, you know, projecting or stroking their ego. I are trying to stroke my ego, I guess. Like, like I, I believe that one of the reasons I've put, I'm in such good shape and such good health and I can, I can get away with having an ice cream cone every now and then without it affecting my uh, waistline is because I'm not consuming empty calories and dealing with that. My body just doesn't have to deal with that stress like the, the hardest thing i put in my body is is occasionally i have i like ice cream man I'm not gonna lie i don't know if you've seen you've seen my pictures where i'm posting man i got my girl said with me one day she's like man you know we could probably just have a have your instagram but you eat pictures of you eating ice cream and that's it and you have enough of those uh, but but i don't I mean but i only get it in the summer it's not like i'm grabbing it in the winter or right. anything like that so for some reason i crave it in the winter but oh, really? <laughs> uh, so the, the, there's that. Um, so we got the money, we got the the behavior, we got the health. Uh, I got a lot of time. I got time to do stuff. Right. Here's the thing. Not only am I not recovering from a hangover, right? So that that's big, you know. You're not recovering. I, I'm not going out most evenings because because you go out in the evenings for you either going on a date or they got my girl, whatever. And then, but but I, I still hang on my friends. But a lot of times they don't even. I mean, they they love me, but they know I me mean, like I'm gonna be bored. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out for like an hour and then bounce. Now now what's cool is they're getting a little older. Well, not they're getting a little older. They're all the same age as me, but they're getting older now. So more of the socialization is not like let's kick it at the bar. So I, so I do get a little more invites now. We we do spend a little more time. But for the most part, especially when I was solidifying and really building the strength of the habit in my being, I wasn't, I mean, I just, I wasn't getting invited out. I mean, it was, because what are, what are we going to do? I'm not, I'm not, they already know I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to come out. The type of guy I am, I'm not going to just sit out and be bored. That's part of the thing that led to my drinking is I would drink to, drink to make myself in, entertained. So let's just leave. So that, that really... The, the the time the time you save is that's a big deal. It, it's mind blowing to me that drinking is an activity. I mean, I used to treat it like that. It's like every Thursday or every Friday night or whatever. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> where are we getting drunk? That's the thing we're doing. And I and the other thing I think as a sober person, if you go to a bar and you watch a bunch of people getting drunk over time, if you spend an hour two hours there, you watch them getting drunk. There's no better thing to deter you from drinking than that because they, they look like fools. I mean, spending a bunch of money, slurring your speech, it, it just gets worse and worse. And so I, I do that from time to time and I definitely get bored, but it also reminds me why I'm, you know, relatively sober. It, it's very much so, you know, some of the positives I see in, in society and that I've, I've got to witness, you know, it, it very much is a young person's game, Right. Like right. there, there's a real point, and I would say 27 is probably like the oldest. Where like people go, "Yo, you, there's something wrong with you, dude." Like, what's up? With that said, I'm not so sure that. Uh, well, I guess I guess 27 is the age where like if you are if you're trying to like step it up and maybe get yourself into a different crowd, make different moves, whatever. But we have a very different society now it's not like in the early 90s you know people were still kind of getting 
they were still kind of interested in like starting a family and everything in their in their you know late twenties, but or early twenties too, I guess. But now that all that's being super deferred. And what does this have to do with drinking? Well, you do. Our our period of adolescence is so extended now that it it's very reasonable to to, to find a group of freaking. Uh, 28, 29, 30 year olds. I mean, that that's that's game, man. Like they, they're still doing that. Maybe they're not going to the club because you know I don't even know if people still go to clubs with the internet and, and all that with, and <laughs> and stuff. But but they're still you know at the local watering hole, man. They plan to meet up Friday. They still the happy hours every every other day after the of the week. There's still this was a big thing for me. There's still football Sundays for a lot right. of kids guys where they, they they just plop themselves down for for eight hours in front of the, the T V or whatever they're watching it on. And I think I think I saw you tweet recently that um it's like a new thing for you to not have to watch every football game. Yeah, it, and and because I'm I'm still involved in my fantasy football league because right. And it's uh, I watch the, I mean I, I watch the Eagles. I'm from Philly. You're a Steelers fan, I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, a, I'm a still. You know what? I'm, I'm finding out how much of a Steelers fan I am this year. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really nah. Um, yeah, I'm a Steelers fan for sure. But but so I mean, it, it's very time consuming, and you got you know it's fun to watch one game. But yeah, like you, if you watch the whole game, that's your Sunday, and Sundays can be a valuable day. If you're not if you're not waking up hungover and you're not sitting on the couch the entire day, Sunday can be an extremely valuable day, right? Yeah, oh, very much. I mean, dude, think about it this way: uh, most people, if, if you're like under twenty five, right? We'll, we'll just use that age. Under twenty five, most of your competition is going to be recovering on right. Sunday, especially from like, I mean. Uh, I go to you're, brunch sometimes. You're, like, you're talking about like success. I mean, or like the other people that are competing in in career and money and yeah, and they don't even know they're competing. That's half the issue is that people don't right. do this thing the right way. They don't they don't understand that that like while there is there there is a lot of opportunity, there's not infinite opportunity. There's just a lot of it, and you have to you know get after it. But every moment you waste. You wake up, I mean, so many wasted Sundays, so many wasted evenings before. And that, that that stuff starts to add up, and you can start to see. You can see the people in their – for for sure now, because now, now at 34, right, I can look around and see every – a lot of the people that I was, you know, partying with in my 20s, and it's like, well, well what, what have you done? You know, because th- this, right. this thing is like inflation. You, right. you can't you can't be doing the same thing at thirty that you were doing at twenty. You're a loser right. in that case. It's compound interest, right? Like you can yeah. watch you can watch somebody who who got fucked up every Saturday night and spent all Sunday, you know, doing nothing. You can see the compounded interest of that when you're thirty five or forty. Very much so. And it's like that with everything. It's like your body. If you yo, if you don't if you weren't using your twenties to put a put a foundation of, of muscle on, it, I mean you can you can get in shape, but you can how much in shape can you get? I, I you know, it, it depends on your, your sex. You know, men have a little more leeway here than women because of the way our hormones work. 
but but still, it's going to be hard. I mean, you're going to have to you're going to have to go really get after. It. And and on top of that, we're not even talking about the compound effect of your habits as well. If right. you have been used to, or our inertia really is probably a better way to put it. If you've been used to just sitting on your ass, for example, like switching to fitness, if you've been used to just sitting on your ass and you've been doing that for the past 10, 15 years, you're not going to suddenly, or rather it's highly, it's, it's unlikely. That's why these are big success stories when they happen and they're a big deal because it's not likely you're going to wake up at 35 and go, you know what? It's time to get my body fat down to 14%. Like, that's not, you're not. Yeah, you're not trained to think like that. You haven't been practicing behaving and thinking like that. That's why the most dangerous thing for me, um, when I stopped fighting or at least stopped competing, uh, I'll say that, is I had to change my entire perspective on working out. Because for most for most of my twenties, I started fighting at twenty two. So for most of my twenties, right, I um didn't have to think about this thing called fitness. I you know I couldn't even at the height of my training, I couldn't gain weight. Like and I was trying, I was eating. I mean, not garbage, but eating a lot. Well, and that gives you a lot of leeway. Uh, but but now uh, I have to switch it around. But the idea is that I understand how to switch it around. I'm not going like, oh man, I gotta go run a mile, like a mile, psh, that's great, right, you know, or I got to go, you know, lift a little weight, I'm like, well, that's better than getting pounded in the head for, for eight rounds, and stuff like that, but it's because I'm used to put myself in, under duress, you know, people don't, people don't get used to challenging themselves, or rather, they get used to not challenging themselves, right, so when it comes time to challenge themselves, they're like, oh, God, are you kidding, you know, plus, you know, well, how bad are the penalties, that's that's another thing. A lot of these penalties are, they creep up slowly. They really do. It's very much like that analogy, um, that story where if you put a pot, if you put a frog in a, in a boiling pot, immediately he's going to jump out, but if you just let him sit there and turn up the water gradually, he'll be like, oh, this, this is fine. What that mean? We're like, for the fires everywhere, it's going to be very much like that. This is fine. So, you know, you, you, you do the same thing year after year. And it's not a gradual fall off because you're not behaving in a, in a in a drastic way, or rather, it's not a sudden fall off because you're not behaving drastically. You don't you don't make a sudden acceleration towards the bottom. But after five, ten, fifteen years, and that's not long, man. Like like one year on my next birthday, it'll be fifteen years since I was twenty. Dude, that, you were working at a T-Mobile five years ago, or right? Like that is that a lot of time passes, man, and it passes like a blink. It's a blink. You're like, whoa, what happened? But, yeah. but when you notice it, you notice it when you can't. When, when you when you when everyone's doing something in another part of the country and you can't hop on the plane, you notice it when you can't eat when you, when you got to make a decision between rent and good food. That's when you notice it. You notice it. When you 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 ignore the check engine light, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh God, I just hope it goes off, so then I have to have to spend money, and that's when you start noticing, oh man, maybe I didn't use the time so well, right? And so, do you? And you, and you know what? Do, I, I saw you tweet another time, like the age around, like you think people around 28 to 30, people start to stop trying to get better right they it's it's really interesting to me and this is what i've observed it's it's you you get to that point and and it's like a a switch comes on it's either 
okay, this is it. I got to start making moves. I got to start doing better. I got to start being better. You know, m- maybe there's some other drastic change, like a kid or whatever. But but I don't, I, I'm not that guy that believes that, that people have kids and something to get together. My experience has been very much the opposite from what I've observed. But the main idea, uh, this age where you start turning things up, start going, okay, I got to get after it. That's, that is what I found to be the minority. What most people do around this age, that's where they really they really kind of settle in and accept their surroundings. Right. And, and I, I couldn't see it when I was at that age because I was doing the other thing. That's, that's the age I made all these changes, right? It's, it's only now that when I look around, it's like it's not good or bad. You know, or at least if you were doing, you know, the, I will say the right thing, you know, you had a, had a decent salary, you weren't terribly out of shape or anything like that. Uh, it, it's not, it's not too bad. You know, you just, you just kind of chilling and coasting. But if you were, if you weren't doing anything, you know, if you were below average, this is where this, this thing starts to hurt because you're not, or really starts to sting because here's the thing. What kind of people are available to you? if you are if you are not doing anything and you're at 35 all right certainly not the same type of people who are 30 and even even more at 25 because when you're young people understand you're not going to be you know you're not going to have a thing you're not going to be anything they they kind of give the wayward lost soul some credit or at least some some leeway yeah, they don't really do that, you know. Thirty. <laughs> that it, you're you're saying like as when when a young person doesn't know what they're doing and is making a lot of mistakes, people forgive them. They but they I'll, literally they literally say, "Oh, you're just young. You'll figure it out." Like that, I've heard that uh, a lot. And and really, when I look at people being foolish, I think the same thing. Even though right. I'm not, even though I'm not like old, but I, I don't think. I feel comfortable saying young anymore, you know, middle age is technically at 35 is right where it starts. I think is that right. I don't know if I live to 80. Uh, I guess I'm almost in the middle. I'm still going up the slope, I guess. But so do you, and you don't think being in your thirties is old. You think is young. You think 30 is like the time to figure it out. I, I think this, I think, um, the time to figure it out, the time to figure it out, if, if I was to put a number on it, it's probably going to be, you know, somewhere in the late 20s, because I, I just I just don't think you have enough experience and enough knowledge. The, the prefrontal cortex doesn't even finish developing until you're like 25, 26. It's just not like like we're not mature and capable to really decide and plan our future, I think, until we reach our late 20s. And. And anyone that does it beforehand uh, likely is going to change their mind. And if they have a, a big amount of material success, uh, they're going to almost certainly have done it via a an extraordinary talent, artistry, athleticism, that kind of thing, right? But but yeah, I, I think I think uh, a lot of people start figuring th- things out in their late their late twenties. Now your thirties. Your thirties is not old. I don't. I don't think it's old, right? I just. Yeah, I guess my question, it's not too late to. It's not too late to reverse it. Is no, absolutely reverse? not. No, too, because it's, look, it, it's actually the crossroads. I think. I mean, it's like that point where it either you know your habits start to calcify, right? 
Yeah. And so you can either choose good habits to have them calcify or you can stick with the bad habits and let those calcify. Yeah, you know, and, and one of the things is this, right? I, I always say that time is going to pass anyway. If you, if you're not going to use, whenever you know, like we talk about me, that, that six year block, right? The T-Mobile was six years ago, and you know, drunken antics six years ago, not literally having no money uh, at all in my bank account, at, like at all, six years ago, okay. And then I got on it, and now we're here. We are six years later, about you know, living. I don't. I don't know if I'd say the dream, man. But I'm. I'm. I'm moving over to Europe, man, and I'm gonna work from there. And it's all distant, and and the things I create and people enjoy, and and I think a lot of people get a lot of the learning from me because I went through these things, and, and I'm having right. a good time, right? I got my degree, right? Knocked that out the park, and and it's opened up other options I may or may not take. Point is, though, life looks a lot different now than it did six years ago notice i didn't say when i was 27 or 28 right six years ago so if you get on it you know you you could be 40 you're gonna be 46 one day god willing so what you're gonna be 46 with more options or less options that's all right down to and once you once you get that mentality then it's like okay am i which is which is what mentality if you had to like sort of sum it up i mean the mentality of it's never too late it's never I, too late. I will never tell someone it's too late. Now, there, there are some things that are irreversible, right? It, look, if, if you <laughs> if if you commit a felony, that's going that's that you can't undo that, man. It's going to make your life a lot harder. But right. you can't. You, you know, if, if you kill somebody in a drunk driving accident, I talk about this all the time. I go, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the reason people people accept my forgiveness when I, when I, or, 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 or grant me forgiveness, or they, they are supportive of what I do now, uh, because I didn't, you know, I wasn't forced to make the change. I wasn't like put in a program because I had caused an accident or killed somebody in DUI and now I was behind uh, prison. No, that, uh, the, the change was voluntary. And so they are like, okay, we're, we're behind you. So, but it, so I didn't commit something irreversible. You know, something that was going to stain me and ruin my path forever. There are things like that. But in terms of Tom, look, man, what what, what is the, uh, the the story they tell about Colonel Sanders? Right? I mean, he didn't start that. Oh, right. he, he started it very late, right? I guess in the 60s or something. Is that, oh, is that true? Yeah, yeah, very much so. You know, there's a whole list of um that I looked up one day just to kind of inspire and, and have things to to look up to. There is a whole list of people who didn't start taking off in their in their professions in any way, shape, or form until their mid thirties. I think I, I think, think the, the yeah, go ahead. Sorry. The guy that comes to mind immediately is a, you know John Ham. I guess was teaching. Uh, he was a sub teacher until he was like thirty some. Man, he just wasn't. He did he did like thirty. John Ham, the, the guy from Mad Men. Uh, Say the um the guy who played uh what's his name in Breaking Bad, I think he was working at a restaurant until he was forty or something like that. Right. Then- so you just one day you just go for it, man. It, it, it is never uh too late. Never ever ever too late. But you have to make the decision. Right. No one can have you make the decision. And let me ask you this: you you're always tweeting about crackhead. 
you know, it's funny. I'm actually sitting here working on uh, my my next little ebook product, uh, and it's about a crackhead. So, what's it, can you give us a, a hint about it or something? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I just came out with the crackhead writing, crackhead hustle writing method, which is just you know a, a list of things to really quickly improve your writing skill because I think a lot of people suffer with writing everyone thinks they're a better writer than they are and look i, I mean I, i'm there there are people who are better than me by far but what i have is i've been writing for so long that I'm, i was actually able to look back over my writing when i first started compare it to like where i am now and i'm like wow that stuff is awful i can't believe people even looked at that i mean it's really it's hard to follow sometimes it's wordy uh you know i, I have moments of 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 brilliance and my moments of brilliance then are like my what i like to think is my average writing now but right. it just you know it just came together and i got better and better and better and i went over some of the common things i see and stuff like that well to follow up to that because some guy i had i'd had the idea actually it was like part of the next thing i started i was going to start but then somebody actually wrote and was like you know i've got no interest in writing but if you could make like the crackhead hustle work method i'll be like to help me be you know do something else because that's just like on branding you know no one no one's really saying go smoke crack i i, I can't believe i gotta say that right but no one's really saying go smoke crack is just on branding and i was like yeah so that's the next thing i'm going to talk about because uh, the, the, i've got i mean i've got stories on top of stories i mean just from okay. life and growing up seeing so growing up where you grew up you've seen a lot of crazy shit oh yeah man and like just taking those stories and using them and helping so, people uh <laughs> using them to, to teach a lesson not just right, look right, right is there is there a lesson that comes to mind when you think about it like what something from that um well the the one thing that i remember I remember uh, we were barbecuing, and and I don't know why my mom decided, but maybe barbecuing in in Pittsburgh, PA. You know, you know the weather there, but we were barbecuing for Christmas, and <laughs> the food was on the porch, and and we heard the grill moving, and we went out there, and there was a crackhead, you know, trying to get the meat right off the grill. And we shoot him away. And he, we went inside, and he came back. And I was like, "Man, that's that's persistence." He just kept trying uh, until until we finished. And and because it, it was late, it was at night. That's why he was so bold. It wasn't anyone outside. And so, so the lesson is persistence. The lesson is persistence. You know, that's what I talk about, man. Crackheads are if, if they're not anything else, they are persistent I, I saw a crackhead once i remember my mom was walking to the bus stop with me she was like man I don't, i've been watching this crackhead you know run around here for four four days straight it was like three or four days straight trying to get money to get high and i was like wow that's crazy you know like what do you mean he ain't gone to sleep he was like no nah, they don't sleep <laughs> so, so, so it was that sticks in my mind that, that's that's one of those those things that's, that's very clear man crackheads always manage to get money i always thought that was really interesting Right. You know, and I, the, 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 the addiction is so strong, right, that it compels them to do crazy shit. Yeah. And, and, and you know what's crazy about that? Right. So we say, you know, when, when I when I mention that someone goes, oh, man, that's not fair. Don't count. They're addicted to crack. I'm like, all right, all right, let me let me grant you that. Let me grant you that. But let me do you know how much it costs to to fund a crack habit? Like you have to work. I mean, you got to like every single day, man, like and and come up with that 100 200 dollars a day. Right. If it's if you had that work ethic with anything and put that money to something else. Right. Like if they if they could just like take a tenth of that <laughs> and and put it to something non-destructive. 
It's right. just it's 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 impressive. But right. they they're not the they're not they're not um obviously we don't want to smoke crack to get that. But, right. but, but, I, but I try to use that. It's just an entertaining way to to deliver an idea. You know, that's that's like I think one of the things that separates a good, I guess, teacher from an okay one is that the a good teacher understands that there's a better way to make an idea or a story stick. Right. Well, yeah, and you write what you know. I mean, you're talking about experiences from your life. Wait, so do you do you have a writing practice? Like, do you get up and write every morning? or Is there anything? Oh, in- goodness. I need to get one. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it because right now I'm not exactly a writer who writes when he's motivated or inspired. But I, I've had so many things because, look, at the end of the day, writing is not the cash cow. Writing is, is writing's at the point now where, like, what I've built and what I, I have to supplement and things that sit on my site. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a, um, a decent amount of, of income that comes in and it's, and it's all based around the writing skill at the end of the day. But what I, what I get, I've gotten caught up in over the past year and a half or so is just making sure that I'm, I'm, I have other things that I can lean on for income. So I can focus on writing. And now that's what I'm doing is, is focusing even more on my writing, which will build my site up, produce more interesting things that people like and, and you know, will pay money for. So that's, uh, that, that, to answer that question, I don't have a routine, uh, yet, but I'm a big, but, but it is developing. And like today I put down a thousand words and that's really, I think all you got to do is like every day, uh, be consistent. And sometimes I'm not as consistent as I like to be, but, I, I I always get the job done. It, it's just a lot easier when you're consistent. Like like I really hate. There's two feelings I hate. I hate being tired, and I hate being stressed under a deadline when it was like like just stressed under a deadline. Uh, I do everything I can to avoid that stress. And but but if it's there, you know, I get the job done. I will not I will not not get the job done ever. I think that's um one of those kind of traits that has helped me that I'm able to like kind of focus on and work with, but, but I will not, not get the job done. That's, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, and so do you have other, but you said you are a guy of routines. I mean, are there any routines that you, that you do do that you, that you really, um, Oh, you you know, well, well, yeah, well, well, whatever I'm into at the moment, like really into, I I put a routine behind it. You you get, you have to, like when I was really working on, on moving my chest rating uh, above 1600 and staying sharp. I mean, I get, I got, I would play through games and I would sit and I would take the last five games of one color and compare those moves and the last five games of the other color and compare those moves, win or lose. And I just did that every day. I mean, I literally every day. Yeah, and little things. My, my, I, I'm a big believer in finding a little habits to make a big difference. That like, like right now I'm working on uh, the, the the Portuguese that I have to acquire, and I don't have a lot of time. But I don't want to go over there uh, completely naked and know nothing. So, so you're moving to Portugal just to tell you you're moving to Portugal and you're studying Portuguese in order to, to be able to get around i guess yeah yeah i want to i want to see a lot of europe in general 
but I, but Portugal is I really loved it when I went there and and the girlfriends from Portugal so it makes that's that's I mean like people ask why Portugal like, well because that that's the place where I can move where the, the EU is not going to be like you got to leave in ninety days because the way their the way their law works uh, we've we've shared the same address now for five years so they they view us as common law <laughs> so I just have to go over there common law marriage so I have to go and submit some paperwork to show that and then, then I'll have. And, and so you and speaking of your girlfriend, I mean, you, I, I've seen you also talk about you need to find like a, a relationship that works for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really important for me. I mean, it's important for me and I think important for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, can you speak about that? I mean, is that that's something that, you know, I guess people are starting to get serious about in this time of their lives in, the, in their 30s. Oh, yeah, for sure. So so here's the thing, right? Uh, realism. A lot of people don't want to be real about this, you know, and and you can't you can't solve a problem if you're not willing to face the problem. And I preface all this because I'm about to I'm about to get real here, man. You hope you're ready for that. Uh, I'm ready. Go for all it. All right. So so for guys, if you want a solid relationship, it's going to be up to you to take care of the things that can ruin it that have nothing to do with your compatibility. Basically, what that means is you need to come into the relationship and make sure that your that, that your finances are correct, or you're putting yourself in a position to have your finances correct. You know, I I didn't you know when I when I first started dating Anna, I didn't have anything, but what I had was was a focus on what I was trying to do, and I wasn't living like like a reckless hooligan anymore. I mean, like at the first you know like like the first two or three weeks maybe, but right, but like. You know that that's kind of like right around when I started making the changes. So uh, there's that, but you got to make those. You you have to take care of the things that can ruin it on your end. You know, but in other words, become the best man you can be, because your job. You know, men are men are built. I mean, at, at 18, we 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 don't have anything. We're not we don't have anything that is desirable to a woman. We we don't have experience. We ain't got any money. We a lot of us still don't look like men. It's just right. you, you you gotta build, right? Women, you you got a little I mean, it shouldn't be harder. The job should be easier, but here we are in in twenty nineteen. Here we go. Uh your job is is to to maintain what you what you come into because you cause the table is turn. You you turn twenty, nineteen, eighteen, whatever, and you have immense options and power. I would argue and say nothing is more powerful than than a than a twenty year old woman in terms of like what she can get and what what each person can get in in terms of dating. Uh, the 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 average you know twenty year or slightly above average twenty year old girl I, I would say has more options than even Leonardo DiCaprio who was rich, famous, and good looking. So your job is to maintain that and and be. And, and and be committed to the idea of building. I mean, that's what both people need in general. But but women get so much attention. Um, just I, I can't imagine. Every now and then, some girl trying to hop my DMs, and I'm like, I'm I'm I think I'm cool. I, I don't think I'm bad looking or whatever. But I, but I get like maybe once, twice every other month, <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, you know, off the chart. But girls get so much attention, so much. Oh, all the time, all the time, all the time. I can't even imagine uh, what, what, what the the really nice looking girls look like uh, and get 
who are extra who put out who who present themselves in a manner to get that attention right and with, and with that attention you know you, you got to decide if you, if you want to be in a relationship and that's the other thing they don't realize man those habits compound you if, if you spend your 20s you know for lack of a better term uh giving the love freely you you lost one of your most powerful bargaining chips because time is not equal to men and women. It's just not, especially, and we don't, when we see this, no, we, with the contrast is at no bigger point than at this time in our life. A 34-year-old man uh, and a 34-year-old woman are playing a, a, a very different game if they're single. Now, if you get together, you know, my, my girlfriend's slightly, slightly older than me. She's like six months-ish, right? I met her when she was 27, and and, and she's been very, just wonderful. I, I, I wouldn't trade her for... For all the all the tea in China, as the old thing goes, the old saying goes, right? Uh, Are you guys thinking about kids? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and if and if we if we miss that boat, Tommy, well, it's because you never know. You know, some people have the ability to go freaking their first kid. I got quite a few people in my life actually their first kid. Uh, the woman was you know at, at thirty seven, thirty eight, but um, I'm I'm not foolish. I mean, I, I've recognized that that is the um. The out well, not not so much the outlier, but but now you're playing on the other end of statistics where it's not in your favor. And if we missed that, you know, one of the cool things, I, you know, I met somebody who who also was a big believer and had a huge interest in adoption. So I'm I'm really happy about that. That's going to come together no matter what, because because at the end of the day, I I just think you know I, I really I really love my girlfriend. But but I like her as a person too, and that's also. And people focus on this love thing like it's mystical. That shit, man. Don't don't pay attention to love, because uh, you're you're gonna fall in love with whoever you you have sex with uh, repeatedly. That's just, we can't help that <laughs> or worse. But you, but to like somebody, you know, that's important. You got to find someone you like, and right. and that and and now, now a lot of that. This is this is my unisex advice for for both. You got to know yourself and know what you like and what you enjoy. I'm so happy. That I have uh, a, a nerdy girlfriend, man. Like, dude, I get excited. We, you know, we'll, we'll, what's our some of our last few activities? We, we really like, you know, the, everyone goes to the Renaissance Fair, right? But you know, we we drove to D.C. to go to the opera. I have a buddy in the opera. I love the opera. Uh, symphonies, big, big symphonies and shows. Um, we always go to museums where we go, science museums. In fact, she came to visit me when she came to visit me in Richmond. This is when I knew she was a keeper when I was down to AIT. Uh, she she scheduled our day out for what we want to do. We went to the Science Museum and the Holocaust Museum and Edgar Allan Poe's house. I didn't know, you know, Edgar Allan Poe was from Richmond, I guess. And so we went we went to his house and saw stuff. And I was like, wow, this is a day of learning. And then and it, and it wasn't an act. I mean, that's like our life. It's, it's very much learning centered. And <laughs> and we, we we go museums and hikes and all of our vacations are centered around that. So so right, it's it's important to find someone because you know. I dated somebody who was very much this this party outgoing person at one point. And I was just like, well, like one day I remember I didn't say it to her, but I remember looking over to her and I was like, wow, you make my head hurt because I thought in my mind that like that's what I wanted because that's what I because I was drinking to, to deal with all these other things. So, but once I got to know myself, it, it was very easy to find someone who fit who I was. So you got to just know what you want, know what you're willing to do. And just remember, this is a sacrifice, you know, we, we, how you disagree is important too. 
we don't disagree about a lot, but when we yeah. do, we, we kind of have a, a system, and if and if there's an impasse, we just there there hasn't been any. That's the thing. I mean, after six years now, five or six years ish, um, there hasn't been anything that's like been an impasse where I was like, where it's like the the. I want this done. You want this done. We can't, you know, no, there's always, we always, without, without ever having, um, contempt, you know, you, you want to, you want the team to win. That's what I always say. I say, you know, it's, it's a team. Right. You, it's you about think, the, 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 the two of you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we're, we're individuals and we have our own individual desires, but the whole idea is, you know, you don't, you don't want to do anything that jeopardizes, uh, the dynamic of the team. And, and also, you know, my, my girlfriend and I say that there are three people in our relationship, me, her, and the two of us, you know? Yeah. Like the unit of the two of us is, is another like person in the relationship kind of. Yeah. It's, 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 um, I'm really happy. I mean, because, you know, here's the thing you want to talk about, you know, my upbringing some more. I remember I was dating this girl and she was a mess, but she said, but, but, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. And one of the things she said to me, it always stuck out to me. She goes, you know, you don't know what a relationship looks like because you never saw one growing up. Now, of course, I, I dismissed the messenger because she was a mess. Who's a single mom now. Right. But, uh, I, the, the message eventually started to hit home. And I realized when I was talking to my sister about, you oh, know, gosh, she was dating, and I thought about a lot of the stuff I had to deal with and learn. And I never, I have no, I had no model for what a what a good relationship looked like. And I wonder how many kids. I don't, I don't even know if this is just a poverty thing anymore, especially what um I guess generation, not no, it won't be Generation Z, right? Those are the kids that are like born after two thousand. I don't know. I can't track of that stuff. Uh, but it, I, it'll be the kids who are. It'll be the kids who were born of the people right before my generation. You know, the, the ones who like didn't know divorce was was this really big profitable thing that this, that they kind of enforce, and which is why so many of these are encouraged. Which is why so many of these marriages end the divorce. But the, but they weren't hip to alternative solutions, kind of like a lot of the later millennials and and early Gen Zs are. Okay, so those kids are probably going to have a similar issue. You know, they, they all they've known is divorce and all they've known is kind of the way women are sexualized and on social media and how men, boys are, are basically treated as defective girls, I, I believe. And so they're not going to have any concept of a healthy relationship. And I think about how that affected me. And I know, you know, they're probably going to have to deal with that issue, too. But now you know after learning i mean this you just learn it's like anything else you can learn anything I, I i think all damage while not reversible you can um salvage and, and rebuild you can well i can't i can't put the i can't put the building back but i can rebuild another one uh it's just gonna take time and energy you know and that, that's what i think i've done and i've really learned a lot about relationships and i would love to raise uh, some kids around that to see and, and get an idea of, you know, what we got to do with the future, because, they, you know, that's a whole another conversation and, and longer uh, podcast we can get into. But the future is, is bleak, man. There's a there's a small group. Of, there's, a, there's a small growing minority, thank goodness, of people who are interested in, in raising 
us to have something, but a lot of us, man, are now to God is materialism and comfort. That's where you have this extended period of adolescence now. We're like, uh, basically from 18 to 30, you know, people get mad at me. I had people get mad at me when I suggested you move out of your home because, because I guess other cultures don't do this, but other cultures don't have America's, you know, level of production and innovation for a reason. It, you can't have both ways. You got to decide what you want. And people try and get... Huh? Well, what do you mean move out of your home? You mean move out of your parents' house? Yeah, move out of your parents' house when you're in a, when you when you are... Now, now I, I said this. We were talking, I was talking to my girlfriend about this. Right? Yeah, I mean, maybe 18, maybe not. But, but you shouldn't be 25 living at home. That's not... I don't think that's cool. I don't think that's cool. That's, that is unacceptable completely to me. Uh, whether Because let, let's say 18 is when you are, you know, out there, you're able to make money, learn things. Man, that's seven years. You could you can't figure out in seven years how to work with people enough to get some roommates and live on your own and grow. Because at some point, it, it starts to stunt your growth. Your parents aren't going to be around forever. You know, right. you're going to have to figure this thing out. You're going to have to be be a grown person. But but that's what it is. It is an ex- it's another excuse to not do anything to contribute at all to the world, to, con- to continue to pursue my, my Netflix, my my my, my high speed pornos. Uh, and and what do you think about pornography? What do you, what do you think about it, by the way, just while we're on? the um, topic. Oh, man. OK, so. I actually have a, I have a great article about how to quit porn because I you know deal with that issue too right no moderation whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, I believe I used to think you know, okay so when I first got out of it I used to think it was you know uh, a harmless pastime if indulged in uh, on the side right. Now here's what I think I, I think pornography if 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 drugs are like designed to get you hooked because that's what the money is, right? Look at the advertisement. They want to make it seem like a good time or they hook you with the chemical. Porn is like times 10 because unlike unlike drugs, unlike alcohol, porn is free. We've never, and at no time in history have we, has it ever been this easy to chuck out. I was reading an article, dude, and then this goes deeper than porn. I mean, but, but porn's where we're going to start. But this goes deeper than porn, and I'm really passionate about this idea. So, the whole, what, what does porn do? Porn, you know, is instant gratification, and it also takes advantage of some, some uh, I'll call them bugs, because they're not really bugs. At one point, they were features, but now they're definitely bugs. Bugs in the human psyche, and, 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 our, and our neural, I guess our neural chemistry, that uh, when we see a new body, it's called the Coolidge effect. When we see a new body, we get aroused as if it's as if it's a new one. You know, you you know how you worn out after after the first time you bang your girl. Well, that's just because it's your girl. If we brought in a fresh one for you. You'd be ready to go out of tension, like whoa, and that's incredible, right? right. It's, that's uh, the variety. That's the problem with pornography for sure. Is that the variety is so accessible to you that. It, I, I found it to be – I quit porn for sure. I found it to be affecting my ability to be with real people because I didn't right. switch that person to another person right away. And then, and then on top of that, you start looking and going, man, well, you ain't got this. You ain't got that. You know, become critical. And, and it's crazy, right? Right. But, but on top of that, check this out. So someone said, well, what about – what about just masturbation? I was like, at first, I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm in that that camp, 
And then I read this article, man. These they came out with something called the the Fifi and the Blowhard, man. The Fifi is just like so so in prison gods would take uh, towels and wrap them with Vaseline, so it's it's like a fake vagina, man. So they it feels just like it apparently. And then some genius was like, let me make a machine like this. And so they sell them. And then they have a thing now called the blowhard, which is this this robot head. You know, you were talking about like the sex dolls. No, before sex dolls, people were just going to take and, and get mechanical stimulation. It's basically like the male vibrator, even better. So now, but, 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 but. Now these guys can opt out completely. And I'm not saying women are the easiest thing in the world to deal with. Even my girl, who I think is great, you know, I always say you can only like 80% of a girl because that other 20%, that's like girl land brain stuff. And you can't figure that out. And it's going to frustrate you because you're a god. There's just no way to deal with that. But now these guys don't, they don't have to encounter anything about themselves. They don't have to improve. They don't have to grow. They don't have to learn to talk to anyone. And that is my biggest issue of porn. And it's the feedback of, even just failing at, 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 at getting at dating somebody or getting rejected or, or whatever, wanting to be better for a person, you don't get any of that with porn. Yeah. There's no feedback. It, it's like, and, and that, I think that's so dangerous because we need each other to continue to the species. I didn't, so here's what I learned this week. I, you know, you always learn a lot of stuff at these, when I go to uh, these conferences and I go to speak. But uh, I always wonder. With, with, when they talk about a, a nation as below replacement rate in terms of its births, I never really like understood what that meant exactly. And then I read something that broke it down real easy. Two people make one kid. So to be our replacement, uh, our family has, we, we have to have an average of two or greater births per right. unit. Otherwise, we're, we're not going to be able to replace our population, you know, and we're, we're, we're below replacement. Right. It's like a big problem for China right now and like other places, I think, Japan and Europe, like it's a major problem, actually. When you get to that point and now you're you're, it's only a matter of time before there won't be enough of you left to reproduce. Now, how long it'll take before, you know, they they do a mandatory, you know, here's a here's a girl, you know, I'll give you her for this and you you will pay you for having kids. There's all kind of interesting ways. I'm not really worried about the implication, I think. I think people are uh, are resourceful enough to come up with ways around that if and when it becomes a problem. But but, but here's my question: Does Tinder help that or hurt that? Hurts it. Tinder, it hurts it. Tinder. Here's the thing: Tinder is not about meeting someone to have kids. Tinder is another. Tinder is another way to get the outcome without going through the process that develops you. Remember, like, how old are you? I'm thirty. One. Okay, so we're, so we're in the same era. You may not have had to do it as much as me, but we used to have to to call for you in high school, call a girl, right, and call and talk to her parents to talk to her because there were right. no cell phones. Right. You had to you had to deal with that awkwardness. Yeah, right. You had to deal. You had to call and talk to her dad in order right. to then speak to her or whatever. You know, we, we had instant messenger. You may have just missed instant aim. No, no, you didn't, right? Because I remember talking to girls who were in high school who were freshmen. Yeah, I was right on it. Right. Yeah. So we had instant messenger and aim, but you still had to like, 
um, online dating was like the, the way you can just swipe. No, you you people were still going up talking to each other in mass, right? And then now you're the weirdo if you do that. I, I found out because everyone is swiping. And what does swiping do? Well, you, there's no courage. Like you know, you don't you don't develop any ability to have tough skin. So when you face a little bit of adversity, a little bit of rejection, you lose your mind, right? right. I, I I do not. And and you know what? This is what I've been told because. You know, I was on all the dating apps when I was when I was single. I haven't been on, been on one, you know, since I wasn't. But I've been told, and you know, Tinder is like <laughs> the dregs now, you know, which is which is what happens. But when what here's a thing that is easy. We'll remove all the all the hard part. All you have to do is decide, and then you go from there. Because that's the challenging part: talking to a person, opening up a conversation with with someone that you've never spoken with before. We'll remove that. We'll make it super easy. And then yeah. what happens? Uh, the quality goes down b- because there's no barrier to entry. Right. Yeah, right? <laughs> this, this, this feels like a theme with a lot of the stuff that you talk about and write about, whatever. It's like doing the hard thing. Oh, right? absolutely. Uh, and so, uh, you know, is there any advice or any – like if somebody sucks and they're 30 – and they want to change their life. What do you recommend as sort of the first steps? You know, like what would you do if you had to turn everything around and do the hard thing and, and, and just get better? I mean, you, I, you, you, you know, you know what I would do? Uh, practical, real time advice. I get in the gym. I get jacked. I, I get to the point where I feel like I, I would get to the point realistically where I could take my shirt off and post a picture. And somebody would come and talk to me, and th- and that's not the point of that exercise. But I'm just giving like a standard, a general so standard, right? That's that's like the level that you want to get to because it also helps your confidence, it helps your career, it helps a bunch of stuff. Well, yeah, well, and most importantly, right? So, so why do people give things up? They give things up because they they take too long. Okay, I, I really believe that. I don't, I don't think it's so much that they can't suffer long. It's just that we're, we're so instant gratification now before we right. get any feedback. But when you work out, that is the fastest thing I can give you that will force you to go through a process and have the quickest or, or, the, or rather the most, but the simplest thing I can give you that when you go through the process, you will quickly start getting results. It doesn't take too long before someone notices your arms are bigger or you're in, or, or you know, you look slimmer, or you start seeing your jeans fit different on you, like, like well, where you get a real bit of feedback from the physical world, so you go, oh wow, this makes a difference. That's what happened to me with, with learning math. I tell people all the time, I was I was a failing math student. Now I have a math minor physics degree. What happened? I thought I was fixed, and I couldn't put the time in and the energy to get better at math. Then I went and boxed, and I saw what happened to my body over time from boxing. I was like, wow, if I can learn how to move better and be in better shape and do all this, what else can I do that to? Can I do that to my mind? And that's what happened. So I would tell a guy, if if you're listening to something, you're in your 30s, and you're like, yo, life is hard, man, and I don't have anything to show for whatsoever. Go and working out's free. It's free. Y'all do. I'm telling you, if you just wake up every day and you do push-ups and sit-ups and you may, and over the course of the day for for a month, you do 100 push-ups. Now you don't do them all at once. You know, maybe you do 25, 25, 25, 25 throughout the day. But if you just did 100 push-ups, sit-ups and, and body weight squats every day for a month, 
your body would change and you would believe you could change stuff now. And now it's like, okay, well, that took a month, but I'm stronger. I look different. And now you see, and then you can move into, okay, well, maybe I'll do something similar for my mind or for my bank account, right? And then you get a little change going that way. That That's all it takes. Look, I got through... I got through four years of a really a murky point. I mean, because there's always that point you reach where you're like, you're not sure if you're doing this. You're not, if you can do this. You're not sure if it's worth it. You can't see the beginning anymore. So you can't turn back and you can't see the end. So there's nothing to push you. And you're really just stuck on pure, uh, not motivation, but, but you just keep chugging along. What a, what's a good word. You gotta be where you have to be consistent. And it was, the, there was a period where it had been very easy I mean, I had to retake differential equations. I I almost I failed two classes and had to take two other ones in physics that weren't going to work. It would have been very easy to stop at these these setbacks. But I thought about how long it took me to get good at boxing. A lot of times, that's what I went back to. Because remember, if I had the attitude that I'm talking about now, if I was born with that, if I can't right out the womb with it. Uh, you wouldn't be talking to me, at least uh, not now. You've been talking before, maybe, uh, because the because I would have had so much success and it would it'd be right. boring, you know. But no, there's very much. What did I do, and how, and and why did I do it, and, and what allowed me to do it? What allowed these changes to happen? And the, I I learned how to to sustain something from boxing. Change your body. If you change something that the that the world will notice immediately, that you can notice immediately, that's going to change your whole perspective about this whole putting time in or putting work in over time. You know, you it'd be great. That's to, to answer that. Sum that up. Yeah, change your body. That's what the, what you got to do immediately. Yeah, and so and if you had to talk to your twenty year old self. Is that similar advice that you would give, or, or is it um, it, it would not be because because I was I'm fortunate that I I started fighting. I mean I and and it just took time for me to see it. I get I mean I guess I would tell him that, but it would kind of it would kind of play. Ooh, uh, realistically, I, I I would say don't waste time trying to fit in. Never like don't don't even bother. Like the social scene, uh, I was like I'll be like, dude, I know this is gonna be hard to hear because you want to go chase chicks and you want to be social but trust me when i tell you life is going to be so much better if you just focus and get focus on on your purpose create and and do what you think is important live the life you want to live uh because for a long time i really felt like uh, a lot of the issues i got into they came from trying to trying to be a thing i was not trying to live a way that was not not uh, naturally aligned to who i am right and so just finding that truth and and living it is is the key yeah. now you know now you know granted that you know at 20 you, you don't necessarily know what your truth is yet but you you you're, you're probably closer than you think i'll say that right um cool and are there any books that speak to you that you read recently or, or, or that are or not recently that are that have changed your life or that you would recommend? Very much so. There there are two books in particular. You know, I have three favorites, but in terms of like the two that really changed my life. Uh one is The Art of Learning by Josh Whiteskin. Yeah. And he talks about what he what he learned about improvement and learning via 
chess and this this Chinese kind of push hands art, and and it was just a really fascinating read to see uh, how a guy thinks about getting better, who actually got better. You know, I'm not talking about a Malcolm Gladwell book. You know, where my, he's just putting together research, and that's right. cool and it has its place. But I would love, but but but, but the thing I loved about Whiteskin's book is it was his his journey and his thought process reflecting how he saw things. Yeah. You know, it was very much he walked it, or it's talk about his walk, you know, as opposed to talk about someone else's walk. So the art of learning is that. And the other one, a book that really changed my life the most, the, the A Course in Miracles. And that book is about, uh, I, I won't get into the, the, the premise, which is somewhat kooky, but the whole idea is that forgiveness is the only way to peace. And what's it called? It's Course in Miracles? Yeah, A Course in Miracles. Oh, A Course in Miracles. Okay. Yeah, and, and it, it really helped me and changed my relationship with my mother when I became an adult. It helps me see um, the world a certain way. People talk about all the time how I don't, you know, I don't get like crazy off the handle you know like i don't have a temper or anything and, and i know how to use emotion to accomplish things but it's very much like very rarely am i engaged to the point where i hate or feel strongly and even if i am you know i understand how to forgive and let that let those emotions and feelings go that's not what i ever wanted to i i don't even remember how i how i found the book but it is a life changer for anyone struggling with with issues of of anger or hatred, or they just they just don't feel like uh, that that the world is is a loving place, and you have to. I had to learn how to forgive it all, man. Yeah. Well. Okay. Do, do you ever do you ever see a therapist to help you at arrive at some of that stuff also, or is, it was no, like, no. Nah, you know, I'm not against therapy. I just just never did it. Uh, by the time I could afford it, I had kind of figured out how to <laughs> how to uh. How to live in the world. Yeah. yeah, and and that's not to say that I would never do it now. It's just I, I haven't had a motivation or desire. With that said, you know, if, you, if you're struggling with an issue, and this is especially true for men, because men are not, uh, we, we, we don't have the kind of built-in network to talk to people the way uh, I think women do. And so we keep a lot of things bottled up. And we, we, we don't tell our, our women because that they look at us a certain way and we don't feel like a lot of men are bonded with other men, I've found. So I would I would say that um, a lot of men should, should look at a therapist if they don't have anyone in their life they feel comfortable talking to because that, that talking and working through issues, that is very important to your emotional health. And if you don't fix... Your emotional health. Forget forget your emotional health for a minute. I'm a big believer in the idea that you're only as strong as your weakest link. And if your if your emotional fortitude or constitution is, is uh distorted, then you're eventually going to find yourself in a problem that could have been avoided had you had better control of your emotions. If you had better understanding of what it is that, that makes you feel or react a certain way. And you can either avoid those problems or work through them so you don't, you know, end up ruining your life or someone else's uh, to varying degrees. So I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of God's getting therapy.
That's great. And and what what do you have some type of um, intention set for the next five six years for the rest of the decade? Let's say, like, do you have an idea? I, I do actually. Um, in terms of non material things, I'd, I'd like to have my family started. You know, that's really kind of important to me. Or rather, it's important to me with with the woman I'm with. If, if for whatever reason we don't stay together, I question not only whether I'll ever have a family or if, or if I'll ever ever um you know get with someone again after that. I just I just don't uh, I don't know because because I'm not like super excited about it. But like or rather, it's not like this driving force in me like I gotta find someone to have a family with. Like no, I found someone and it makes a lot of sense. And is and will be and who will be a great mother and someone uh, who we have we have a very similar idea and I, I said to her I was like you know we may not do anything in, incredible in this world but but I would be very surprised if our children didn't because they're going to grow up in a great loving household where where they're pushed the right way and we have they have a right balance of masculine and feminine energy uh, directing them to be something great whatever they are so. Uh, that's really important to me in the, in the next, you know, six years, I guess at this point, going to 40, uh, from, from a material standpoint, uh, someone, someone joked that I'm going to, I'm going to accidentally become a millionaire because you know money is traditionally not that important to me. I just am fortunate enough to have lived the life of value and I'm good at transmitting that. Well, I think I'm going to get a little more intentional about it. Uh, and, and probably put away uh, a decent amount of money because, because I know that that'll make everything else I want to do easy and it'll be a great example. Uh, I I think I like to, to fight again in terms of like things that are like my, my cowboy side, you know, I like to fight again uh, once or twice, see how that goes, have some fun with it. Cause I've maintained my health. The only thing I have working against me is that I'll be, you know, I'm 34, I'll be 35 on my next birthday, but that's cool. Cause guys fight older than that. You know, the, the difference is they don't, they don't come in as serious as I am. They, they have to do it. I'll be, you know, able to give myself a full eight week camp immersed and studied and kept myself in shape and didn't drink. So we'll see how that goes. If that goes at all. And then, and then, um, I realize you probably have to go. I'm, I'm wrapping up here. I mean, oh, no, no, that's all good. You know, what's funny. That, I don't know if you heard that, but like, I, I forgot my phone was on. It just like went off. Oh, it was a ring. And, um, and I, I just, I'd like to keep, keep, I'd like to write a few, few, um, books more that reflect, uh, my, my philosophy and things I've learned that I just, I really, my motto for all my writing and everything I do is that I take what I learn the hard way and I break it down so you can learn it the easy way. And I think there's a lot. I think I have a lot to teach and a lot to offer. And I think I'll continue to get that because I'm always my mind is always tuned. Like, oh, what can I learn from this? How can I how can I make them use this to make my life better? And if it makes my life better, how can I make someone else's life better with it? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Great. And are you ever going to use your physics degree? Um, ooh, oh, right. I didn't even talk about that. Um, I, I, I believe that there are some areas of research that I'm really interested in. And that's one of the reasons related to like getting a bunch of money together. Cause, cause you know, I, I love to go back and research and not really be, be stuck to kind of kissing someone's boot heel. There, there's some interesting, um, and, and kissing someone's boot heel. I, I, you know, I can pursue what I want to pursue and not really have to, if I don't have the funding, I can fund it myself kind of do. 
I have that. Uh, I was really interested in meteorology uh, for for a long time. I still am. Data science is really interesting to me, but I don't I don't know if that is. Uh, I, I feel like that's impactful enough. I got this weird kind of uh, this weird. I, I'm always I'm aware of like people like me should do something to help the world because there aren't many of us and, and people like me will, I, I would like to think I'm going to make a difference, but yeah, I'll, I'll probably go in and I, I like meteorology and there's a lot of environmental science stuff that I think is important. A lot of, a lot of, uh, pollution at the end of the day, you know, I think I'll get involved in that and working on those projects, maybe not as a researcher, but probably as a, as a fundraiser, which is just like one of those things, you know, uh, someone with the knowledge and, and my, my extroverted personality is probably better served or can, can serve better in that role than I could as, as a scientist, you know? So yeah. that's Charisma, just what I was saying. <laughs> Charisma is a powerful tool and you can get a lot done with it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just figuring out where you have, where your strengths are and just running with it. I got that degree, but it was hard, man, but I don't, I, I don't think I have what it takes in terms of ability and or interest, uh, to, to go to the next level, but, I, but there are problems where I, I can serve in other ways, mainly by my ability to kind of rally people around something. Yeah. And it's never too late, right? And never too late. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Ed, I think it's a good place to stop. Um, we can find you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as Ed Lattimore, right? Yep. At Ed Lattimore. Um, I'll link everything in the show notes and stuff like that. You, you blog and, and write on your website, edlattimore.com. Very uh, simple. Ed Lattimore, Ed Lattimore, Ed Lattimore. <laughs> Ed Lattimore, Ed Lattimore, Ed Lattimore. Um, I think we'll be all, a lot of us will be saying that name long into the future. And, um, we look forward to seeing what you do with the next five, six years. Uh, and obviously the rest of your life. And, uh, thank you for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Uh, hey. this is, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say thank you, man. Yeah, thank you, Ed, for real. And I love your tweets, and you retweet a bunch of people um, talking about, you know, inspiring stuff, getting over laziness and getting after it. And I know it, it, it's inspiring to me, and I hope it, it can be inspiring to some of our listeners here at Living 30. So um, thank you, Ed. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find more podcasts, more posts, everything at living30.blog. Um, thanks again, Ed. Hey, thank you. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Make sure to get in touch at living30.blog. Let's make this an unbelievable decade. Until next time, I'm Max Finder, and this is Living 30.